We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, friends. Thank you for hanging out with me here today on Empower Radio. Yes, sometimes relationships and life can be confusing. And I have to admit, one of the most confusing relationships I have is with myself. (laughs) In the Bible, we are encouraged to know thyself, but it sure can be hard because we're each unique, different, and one of a kind. I feel I learn something new about myself every day, but it wasn't until life got completely impossible and unworkable that learning about myself even became a consideration. I've come to understand the most important thing we can do is to love ourselves. Then we can begin to understand ourselves without judgment. Then from that place, we can make changes and begin to refine our habits, patterns, and behaviors more effectively. Some of the habits I really wanted to change about me is my disorganization, how I get distracted, my impatience, and how I consistently lose things. Can you relate to any of this? If so, you are going to love this show. I recently read this book called From Scattered to Centered, and it was so eye-opening. I really learned some new things about myself. In fact, I think I may have learned I have attention deficit disorder. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I think there may possibly be some good things about it. And that is what we were going to talk about here today with my guest and expert, Dr. Alicia Mayer. Dr. Mayer is a board-certified diplomat of the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology with a subspecialty in psychosomatic medicine. She has over 15 years of experience studying, practicing, and teaching in academic medicine, living yoga in her yearly ashram retreats, retreats, and observing medical care during her travels to over 30 countries. Dr. Mayer has developed a spiritual neuroscience that integrates alternative and Western medicine practice. She is also the author of this amazing book and self-help guide for recognizing and treating ADHD in adults. It's called From Scattered to Centered, Understanding and Transforming the distracted brain. So Dr. Mayor, I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you here today on Journey to Center. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was truly eye-opening. I, I enjoyed it so much. And I just want to start with why you wrote this book and a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, I actually wrote this book to help myself as I have ADHD um, had it as long as I can remember. Uh, preschool was difficult. I think my desk was in the hallway the entire first grade year because I kept disrupting the classroom. Um, and I was a smart kid, but I was always getting into trouble and always losing things and not doing things, not following through. Um, I managed to get through school. My, my mother was very helpful in keeping me organized. And I was able to do something that a lot of people with ADHD can do, and that's hyper-focus if something interests me. Mm-hmm. And for me, the human body and how it works is what I hyper-focused on. So I was able to actually go through medical school and do quite well despite this disorder. 
Um, and then I got into psychiatry residency, which was a little bit different. So patients were telling me their stories, and I had to pick out which details were important and keep it all organized. And that's where I started getting overwhelmed. This felt like an avalanche of information, and I didn't know how to organize it. So luckily, working with a bunch of other psychiatrists, uh, they knew right away what was the problem. They kind of staged an intervention and said, you know, that I probably had ADHD and I needed to get it treated. Um, So I did. I got it treated uh, originally with medication treatment. And then I started looking for other ways to treat it. So looking into the yogic traditions and Eastern practices, as well as Western psychology practices and behavioral techniques. And then I was actually able to get to a point where I was able to come off of the medication. And so this book is really a compilation of all that searching and learning that I did to understand myself and then be able to manage the illness. Yeah, that's fascinating. And something I I got from your book is there's different types of attention deficit. Is that accurate? Sure. Yeah, we often lump them together. Uh, There's ADD, which is Attention Deficit Disorder. And then there's ADHD, where they have both attention deficit and hyperactivity. So you don't necessarily have to have the hyperactivity, but if you do, then it's ADHD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a difference. Yeah, I'm ADD. I'm not the ADHD. So you have, um, you provide a survey assessment in your book. What are some Mm -hmm. of the questions or maybe some of the different symptoms and earmarks of the different types of um, attention disorders? Sure. So the survey is, you know, an assessment that, of course, you'd want to compare with an actual professional examination. Um, But some of the things that you would say true or false to would be, like, if somebody tells me how to do something, I listen to get an overall picture, but I get overwhelmed or anxious if they give too many details. So that would be true or false. Um, I tend to avoid things that require me to maintain focus or concentration for long periods of time. Um, I constantly misplace everyday items such as keys, wallets, etc. People complain that I'm not listening to them even when I think I am. Uh, I feel good when I'm stimulated and active. I quickly become depressed when not engaged in activity. And I feel an underlying sense that I need to be doing something, but I'm often not sure what it is. And then I often interrupt others because I have the gist of what they're saying before they finish saying it. Those are just some of them. There's, there's several more, but it's along those lines. So if these are accurate for you, you would say true. And if you have a certain number of them, then it might be the disorder. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit about the difference between ADD and ADHD? Sure. So people with ADD have many of those, the original things that I was saying that misplacing things, people feeling like they're not listening. So often they do daydream or get distracted, and then people who are talking to them feel like they're not listening, Um, and they tend to avoid too many details. They just can't pay attention to that many details. They often go unnoticed because these are not the disruptive kids. These are the the people that just are struggling to pay attention. And then with the ADHD, these are more the disruptive. These people are more restless. So in adulthood, this comes out as more of an internal sense of restlessness. I'm always feeling like I should be doing something. And then in addition, they also have the problems with difficulty paying attention and listening. Mm. And so is this a psychological disorder? What, what is this? 
It's actually a genetic disorder. So it's physiological and it's neurochemical. So it's believed to be a disorder of the way certain areas of the brain process dopamine, the neurochemical, and it's generally genetic, which means it's inherited. Often there's a parent that has it as well. And so effectively there's a deficit of dopamine because you're not able to use it properly. And dopamine is necessary for being able to um, have good executive function or making good decisions as well as processing information and concentrating. It's not psychological, although having this disorder from childhood can bring up a lot of psychological issues, such as self-esteem issues, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting because this book is really about, is it, is it more for adults? Because there sure. can be some different symptomology between a child with ADD or ADHD and an adult. Is that, is that accurate? Exactly. So some of the symptoms um, will kind of change, they're, they're still the same thing. So like I mentioned, the, the child is often disruptive, so they're getting out of their seat. The adult may have learned how to sit in their seat, but they feel the internal sense of restlessness. Mm-hmm. So, so the problem is still there. It, it can just take a different form. Mm. Something else I thought was really interesting when I was reading your book, and I don't know if you referred to it as this, but what came forward for me was the whole foot and mouth disease. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like not having a happens. filter. I think we've all known those kinds of people that it's like, I can't believe you just said that. And if they could have right. thought about it a little longer, they probably wouldn't have. It's like they have no filter. So that right, can actually exactly. be a symptom of this. Yeah. So the child that maybe doesn't raise his hand and just blurts out answers becomes the adult that just blurts things out before they can think about whether they should say them. So there is a lot of that that happens with ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. I know those people. They're cast often in the Real Housewives series of reality shows and stuff. <laughs> Makes for good television, but it sure can be challenging in one's personal life. Sure. So how common is attention disorders? It's believed that it's in childhood about up to 10% boys mm-hmm. more than girls. And then for adults, it's about 5% of adults. So it does seem that at least a certain number of adults either manage it so well that it's no longer considered a disorder or they kind of grow out of those symptoms. Mm-hmm. But for many adults, um, it's still there. So about 5%. So it's possible to have a child that has ADHD and then they outgrow it? Or... Yeah, or they just change their life to accommodate it. So there are many people, I'm in Los Angeles, so there's many people in the entertainment industry um, that having ADHD works just fine with their creative career. Um, so they haven't necessarily grown out of it, but it's no longer a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, something I thought was, was very compelling that I hadn't considered. It's like life as it is currently, our brains weren't really created with the capacity to absorb and assimilate and deal with all that's going on in our, in our modern society. What are your thoughts about technology and, and our brains and how that's affecting us? Yeah, that's a great question, and I do go into that in the book because I actually was had had this body of information in my head, but I was really inspired to put it into the book when I noticed other people, including my husband, who does not have ADHD but has those symptoms because of the way we're living with technology now. So like you said, our brains were not evolved as quickly as technology has evolved. So when we get too much information, it goes into the more primitive part of the brain where we don't process it, we more just react to it. Mm -hmm. And so it keeps us in this reactive state 
as opposed to a calm, centered state. And then we're in more of a stressful way of being. It's more that fight or flight way of being. Um, and we get so used to it that we don't even notice it. We just mm-hmm. have more and more stimuli coming in. That's true. And I just love your your title from scattered to centered, because of course, you know, my show is journey to center. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's always about trying to find that, that peaceful centered place. And maybe that's been such a big priority because I have struggled so much with that sense of uh, chaos and scatteredness. And, and you brought up another good point that I deal with a lot. I know a lot of people that do is that quality of overwhelmment. Mm -hmm. It's so um, challenging. Right. so, yeah, I want you to talk a little bit more about about that, because I think it's very common. And perhaps it's, as you've mentioned, it has to do with the fact that we've got so much going on in our contemporary society that it's overwhelming. It's just kind of a natural uh, state of being for, for most of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like the, the push is towards more and more and more information. And that information has to go through the frontal lobes of the brain to be processed. And we can only process so much information. So if you think about how much information we have compared to 100 years ago, where maybe there was a newspaper, maybe there was a radio, maybe not even those. You know, you only got information from other people. And there was kind of a buffer. Whenever someone else was giving you emotionally charged information, you had someone to share that emotion with. Now we're getting all this emotionally charged news and lots and lots of information from the phones, from the Internet, Um, from other people as well, Um, even good information like this radio program. There's just so much information, and it can feel very overwhelming. And even people with a quote-unquote normal brain can feel overwhelmed with that amount of information. Someone whose frontal lobes are not working quite as well, like someone with ADHD, can especially feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm excited about getting into what we can do to start to alleviating the overwhelmment and, and start to find center. But there's some other things I want to talk about for that. So I, I want to discuss, um, you talk about emotional reactivity. And it's, is that more common with people that are struggling with attention disorders, the, the emotional highs and lows? Yes, it does seem that this is one of those symptoms that um, happens, particularly with adults with ADHD. So without that ability to process information very well, there's a lot of um, just reactivity um, Mm -hmm. because they don't have access to that part of the brain that's able to just label and observe. Um, Instead, they react to things. Um, So in a positive way, they can get very excited about things. And then in a negative way, they can get bored very easily, um, depressed very easily. And it can go up and down just according to what's going on around them. Mm Yeah, that's that's very, very interesting. So you also talk about working with your own neural activities, high your highs and lows. Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I think that's very compelling. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, I think one of the main things about the book is to really help people understand what's going on in their brain. So it's not just about here are the problems and this is what you can do to treat them, although it has that aspect, but also here's what's going on in the brain that's causing these problems. And so I think it's really important, the more you understand what's causing you to act in a certain way, the better able you are to work with yourself in creating a solution. So it's not about fixing yourself, it's about understanding yourself 
and then exactly. coming up with solutions that help you. So that's, that's exactly it. And that's why I love doing this show. It's really about helping people know themselves, understand themselves, like I said in the beginning. And it's not easy because we're all so unique and different. But mm-hmm. when I come across a book such as yours that helps me get another piece of the puzzle or see myself with a little bit more clarity or focus or understanding, it's so helpful. And it really helps me to um, relinquish any judgment. You know, right. I, my husband calls me a hummingbird because I, I zip from one thing to another. From And I, I, I said, I'm spatial. I'm not logical and linear. I'm spatial. I fly in circles. You know, I paint mm-hmm. mandalas. I'm always circular and I lose things like crazy. And he mm-hmm. kind of laughs at me. But reading your book helped me understand <laughs> that, you know, some of us are just kind of hardwired or we inherit certain, I guess, qualities or characteristics. And it's not necessarily something to judge. It's something to be aware of. Right. And, and I think there's a huge amount of relief that people have when they read the book or when they meet with me um, that they've been trying so hard. So these are people that have been trying, even though they may have been labeled lazy or, you know, oh, you're just not thinking very hard. They're actually trying harder than other people. And there's such a sense of relief when they finally understand why it's been so hard for them. Exactly. And, and that, I love that you're providing relief. And that's something I, I want to do for people as well. You know, and, and it's so interesting when I go back and look at the report cards when I was a kid, they were saying that I just don't focus, that I just mm. don't care. And it was like what you had said earlier, if it's something that interests me, I'm hyper focused, I'm sitting on the edge of my chair. But if I, if I start to kind of lose interest, if I can't, it's like, if it's making me tired, and I can't, hang on, my mind will wander to something that I find more interesting. (laughs) Uh And I think that brings up a good point for other people to understand what's going on in your head. So for many people, the fact that those with ADHD can hyper-focus is very confusing. So Mm -hmm. they'll say, well, if you try, you can focus because look, you focused on this video game or this other thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's important for them to understand what's going on in the brain of somebody with ADHD as well. Yeah, that's very helpful. It's it, it just, again, so um, it's such a good manual or a guide to help us understand ourselves. And then not only that, you have a lot of really, really uh, wonderful and powerful exercises. And I've noticed that they're all based on 30-day implementation models. Why do you feel that's important? Well, this series vary on the exact time of length or length of time that you need to set up new patterns. But generally, I found that if someone does something for about 30 days in a row, it becomes a habit mm-hmm. and they're able to incorporate it into their lives without thinking about it. So you've resolved that problem, basically. Yes. And on a brain level, this may be happening because you're actually developing and building connections between neurons. So if you've ever had that aha moment, When you hear a new piece of information, then you know what it feels like to make a connection. However, if you don't do anything to build and maintain that connection, it'll go away. So you have that aha, you know, this information that's going to change your life, and then nothing happens because you don't keep doing something with it. The idea of the 30-day model is here's the aha, here's what you need to do, and then consistently do it for 30 days. So those connections are really strong, and then it's natural. You don't even have to think about it anymore. Yeah. It's like that riding the bike thing. It's hard. And if you don't do it again, it's going to be hard again. But if you keep doing it, then it becomes easy and effortless. Exactly. So I I think that's really wonderful how you have that um, structured. 
So I have a question for you. This is something I considered a lot as I watched uh, my stepson run from room to room to room to room to room for like six years. Um, is diet, a girlfriend of mine said, I think it's sugar. Is diet a contributing component to our challenges in focusing and paying attention? I think so. Um, I have to distinguish that I don't believe that diet causes ADHD. So like I mentioned, it's a genetic issue. However, it can contribute to the symptoms of ADHD and Mm -hmm. it can actually cause the symptoms in somebody who doesn't have the disorder. So what we know is that it's very important that blood sugar levels stay stable because when they go up too high, you have the hyperactivity. Insulin will be released to deal with that high of sugar and it can often make it come crashing down. And then you get the irritability and inability to pay attention whenever it comes crashing down. So the important thing for people to think about is trying to eat foods that are not too easily digested. So something like a saltine cracker, you know, it starts breaking down in your mouth. So you know that that's going to cause that insulin surge. Obviously, sugar, the same thing. If it starts melting in your mouth, you know, it's too easily digested. So things like vegetables, things with fiber, protein... Those will actually cause a more consistent uh, blood levels of insulin and of sugars, mm-hmm. and that will help keep you stable so you'll have less of those ADHD symptoms. Yeah, that's, that's very helpful. That's and interesting. Some people ask, you know, what like about that. red dye and orange dye and these things? And then when you yeah, look at the foods that those dyes are in, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, M&Ms and Cheetos are not really going to help you with your blood sugar. So I think it's not so much the dyes as, you know, the foods that those dyes are in tend to be ones that are processed and therefore right. easily digested. Ah, very interesting. I think that's fascinating. So you talk about, you know, we talked a little bit about technology being a challenge and, and often a detriment. How can we use technology as a motivator? Is there some way we can make friends with this and make it a positive thing and a good thing for our, our challenged brains? Very much so. And actually, from a neurochemical level, there's some things that we can do. So one thing I like to recommend is if you have a a desire to look at text messages whenever they come up, whenever you hear that ding or whatever that lets you know there's a text message, Mm -hmm. to put it aside and not look at it until you complete whatever task you're working on. So say you're a writer, you're writing a book, and you wait until the end of the chapter that you're writing or the end of the page that you're writing before you check it. Mm-hmm. From a neurochemical level, the reason that this works is that we release a little bit of dopamine whenever there's the anticipation of something new. So the anticipation of new information can cause a little bit of dopamine release. Since mm-hmm. somebody with ADHD is struggling with low amounts effectively of dopamine or inability to use it very well, having that increase in dopamine can actually increase the focus. So if you have that little bit of dopamine wondering what's in that text message and you go ahead and focus on the page, it, mm-hmm. it'll actually help you. That's interesting. I love that. Is something else you brought up in your book that I didn't know would, you know, be a component or a characteristic of, of being challenged with attention disorders is bringing things or being challenged to bring things to completion. And that is something I've been very, very, very challenged with in my life. Like I have a like half done projects and things that I just don't. So that's been a habit of mine, a conscious habit, put bows on things, bring it to completion before I start a new project. And it's been very challenging, but I'm finding it to be easier as I 
have cultivated that habit, if you will. So mm-hmm. is that something you always see with these attention disorders? It's like kind of flying from thing to thing and not really bringing things to completion? Yes, that's one of the <laughs> typical symptoms. And so there's a, there's a few different ways to deal with that. Um, having to-do lists so that you're very organized in what you need to do, as well as sometimes I, I have people do a great ideas list because sometimes they'll come up with an idea while they're in the middle of what they're supposed to be doing, and that will cause them not to follow through because they'll think, oh, I need to act on that idea. Mm-hmm. So they keep a great ideas list of things that they think of but stay on their task. Often when they look at that list later, they realize there's things they didn't really need to do. But in that way, they don't feel like they're missing out because they made a list so they know it'll be addressed. Mm-hmm. And then they also are able to follow through because they're not getting distracted by those things. That's so helpful, that whole list thing. You know, I, I, when I find myself getting overwhelmed, it's because my brain is kind of spinning about all the things I need to do. And if I can just sit down and write a list and get it out of my head, then I find that it really alleviates a lot of my anxiety. So that's something you talk about a lot in your book. Right. And, and just the checking those things off of the list can give you a sense of satisfaction in having done it, something. Yes. Yeah. I feel so proud of myself when I do that little check. Exactly, me too. I think that's fabulous. So uh, we're going to go to break here in a minute, Dr. Mayer, but before we do, can you tell people about where they can find you and get your book? Sure. So they can go to fromscatteredtocentered.com. So it's all one word, fromscatteredtocentered.com. And they can learn more about me there as well as more about the book. And there's also that self-assessment quiz on the website if they want to take that. And then the book is available either through the website or through Amazon. Perfect. I love it. And I love that quiz. It really just, some things went into focus that moment that I took that (laughs) quiz. (laughs) So we're going to go to break. When we come back, Dr. Mayer is going to share with us some techniques to train our brains for peace and concentration and support us in how to discover the best path to our successful and empowered future. So this is going to be some really great stuff. Hang on. We'll be right back with Dr. Alicia Mayer. the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and ducks, ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. Lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you, the enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree. Yes. Is that one. The free to be me you. <laughs> Ask your parents to take you to this not so far away place. Come to the forest where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Do you get tired of styling your hair every day? And do you want a good hairstyle every day? Hi, I'm Sarah Schuster. I went on a website called inventnow.org, and after that, I decided to invent something too. Something called the InstaDo. Just imagine, you just put it over your head, 
like a helmet does, and you pick your hairstyle with the buttons on the side, then you can have instant hairstyle in seconds. People like it. People like Jeff Bart. I like it. And people like Kenneth. It's a summer thing, and it fits over your head, and it's great. Thank you, for- Kenneth. You should go to inventnow.org, and it could help you come up with your own invention. After all, look at me on the radio now. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions, or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Hey, Larry, mind if I sit down? Nope. This coffee tastes like uh, coffee. So what's going on? Not much. What's new? Not much. Okay, but can you please put the newspaper down while you say not much? What newspaper? This newspaper. Oh, dude! What happened to your face? I see one, two, three, four, five, six... Dude, what is this? Eleven pieces of toilet paper stuck to your face? I'm shaving in the dark to save energy. I'm helping the environment. That's a dangerous way to help the environment. Well, sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Dude, there's an easier and safer way to help the environment without sacrificing yourself. Go green, go public. Take public transportation. It's good for the environment and you won't have to live behind a newspaper. Wow. But for now, put the newspaper back up. A message from the public transportation systems across the country. To learn more, visit publictransportation.org. You're listening to Empower Radio. Now back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hello, my friends. I'm so honored to be hanging out with you today and having this conversation with Dr. Alicia Mayer. I'm so excited to be learning more about this. I'm not crazy after all. I'm just kind of hardwired for, you know, I guess, creativity and disorganization. (laughs) (laughs) It's not all bad, though. So before we go into how we can train our brains and some of the upsides of attention disorders, I want to talk about medication because a lot of times I know if kids are challenged in this arena, you take them to a psychiatrist, they want to put them on medication and, you know, even adults. So what are your thoughts about this? Well, I think each person is unique. So I can say that oftentimes um, medication is extremely helpful and In my view, the best way to use it is to put some of these other practices into place, um, some of these other behavioral techniques, um, such as what is outlined in the book. So learning how to be more organized, learning to do time management can be very hard for someone with ADHD. The medication can help them get to a place where they're able to actually learn and incorporate these things. And then after those things are incorporated, often they can come off of the medication. So it can be very helpful, even if it's not forever. I like that. So it's not like a life sentence of medication. It's kind of like, I would say, what comes to mind, like, is a splint. You know, like, if you have a broken arm, it's a splint until it heals, and then you don't need it anymore. Right. That's, that's, that's cool. That's and, a way of and there's a whole it. range of, you know, the symptoms of ADHD. So there are people who it just bothers them a little bit, and they could probably use some behavioral techniques. And then there are people who it's, it's really disruptive to their life. Um, their life is in chaos. They're about to lose their marriage and their job, and they're having legal trouble. And for them, it might be just a better service to them to use the medication to get things in order and then to look at getting off of it later. 
Yeah, that's that's really cool. So before we went to break, I'd mentioned that you were going to share with us some different things we can do to train our brains for peace and concentration. So I'm really excited about uh, having you share some of that with us. Sure. I'm excited as well. Um, <laughs> there are several different things that you can do. And for each of the symptoms, I list a few different practices. Um, one of the big practices that I advocate is mindfulness. Um, and so this is taking time of just noticing the sensations that you have. So sitting here, noticing the sounds that are around you, noticing the smells. Um, if you have your eyes open, noticing the sights. Um, sometimes it's better to even have your eyes closed. And as you notice these sensations, just labeling them without reacting to them. So not labeling them as good or bad, just sound. And as thoughts come up during that state, just labeling them thoughts and then imagining them almost like a cloud just passing through the sky out of your mind. So you're not attaching to the thought or reacting to it. And this mm -hmm. is very helpful for people with ADHD because it helps strengthen part of the frontal lobe. So like I mentioned, that's the area that is difficult for people with ADHD mm -hmm. and not quite as strong. Um, they're more strong in the reactive area. So if they can spend time each day, um, at least five minutes, I, I usually say start with five minutes because this is very hard for people with ADHD, um, and then to increase that you know, up to 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Um, and what they're doing is it's almost like a workout for that part of the brain. So they learn uh, to use the part of the brain that just labels and observes, and that way they can be less reactive. Mm, yeah, that's helpful. You know, you mentioned something earlier, and I read it in your book that I found really interesting. I, I thought it was a symptom that only I struggled with. But it's like, there's something I'm supposed to be doing, and I can't figure out what it is. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And it make, it's, it's very stressful. But mm -hmm. um, something you suggest as, um, I guess, as a helpful technique is to think less, not more. It's like, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember, but thinking, trying to think more and remember and figure things out is probably just exacerbating the anxiety. Right. So yeah, think and less. Exactly. So people with ADHD, even though it might not seem like it because of the things that they're forgetting, et cetera, they're actually thinking much harder than, than other people. Um, even on brain scans, there are more areas of the brain lighting up um, whenever they're trying to do a task because they don't have access to the part that does the task the best. So you can imagine like if there were popcorn kernels all over the floor and you needed to pick them up, but you had to do it wearing mittens, you know, how much harder it would be than Good for analogy. somebody <laughs> for somebody using their fingers. So that's kind of like what is, what's going on for people with ADHD is they're, they're trying to do the same tasks, but without the, the thing that does it the best. So it is very important analogy. to take the thinking out of remembering. So for people who have particular activities, like say your kid has soccer practice, having a bag that's just for soccer things and knowing after the soccer clothes are washed, they go back in that bag. You know, the, after the shin guards come off, they go right back in that bag. Um, if you have a particular things that you need for work, they're kept in a particular bag. Um, if you take trips often, you have a bag that has everything you need for that trip. So you might purchase extra toiletry items just so that you have it in that bag. So you don't have to think so much. That's and then nice. using the list. That's yes. another way of not having to think. Just whenever something pops into your head, you know, 
So many people have the smartphones that have the list uh, functions and the note function, just writing it down immediately so that whenever you go to the store, you don't have to remember what you need. It's on the list. Yeah, that is so helpful. That's That's been just amazing. That's that's transformed my life. If I write lists, I find I really am able to relax because I don't have to keep remembering everything. It's like it's down. I just look at it, check it off when I do it. So much easier. Mm-hmm. That's been very helpful. So what are some of the positive attributes or traits of those struggling with ADD or ADHD? Well, I think people with ADHD often are great at thinking outside of the box. Mm -hmm. So they haven't been really able to fit inside the box, like me with my desk out in the hallway. Um, Not being able to to be the same as everyone else allows us to think really well outside of the box. Um, Also, people with ADHD, their brains tend to move very quickly, and they Mm -hmm. entertain many streams of thought at once. So they tend to come up with a lot of ideas. Uh, so that can be helpful in work situations where people are brainstorming. Um, they, they tend to come up with ideas even after other people have ceased to be able to come up with any. So that can be you know, a big attribute. Um, and then they often have a very visual memory. Um, they're good at remembering visual details as well as seeing the big picture of a situation. So not getting too caught up in the details they are able to see the big picture, which mm. is very important. And yes. then I just think they're often energetic and, and fun to be around. <laughs> <laughs> I w- yeah, it sounds like what you're describing is the right brainers, not the left brainers, the accountants and those detailed people, but the more creative and imaginative and, and spatial right brainer types. Is that right, accurate? idea people. Yeah. Idea I mean, it's a, it depends. I mean, there's some people that wouldn't totally fit into the right brain category, but but it is kind of that, that way of approaching life of just more the conceptual as, as opposed to the detail. Yes, I like it. All right, you talk about also, and I'm a huge advocate of meditation and affirmations. And you're mm-hmm. saying this is, these are also tools that we can use to help us if we're challenged. Can you talk a bit more about how we can use the affirmations and meditation and why they're so helpful? Sure. So each of these helps a person um, with ADHD start to use their brains differently. So like I mentioned, the mindfulness meditation, that's increasing the ability of the frontal lobes to function. Um, So that can be very important. Also, I I mentioned that there's this sense of restlessness of I need to be doing something um, and that reactive, reactive state that people can get into and they can stay in that state. So meditation provides a break for the brain of being in that reactive state, which can do a lot for our stress hormones to get them back into balance. Um, So it can do all these things. And then affirmations are important because many times people with ADHD grow up with certain beliefs about themselves. uh, Like, I'm just not good enough. I just can't get it together. I'm lacking something. Something's wrong with me. Um, You know, all these sort of beliefs about oneself can come through uh, the struggles that they've had. And then it's important to look at those beliefs, recognize them, recognize the ones that aren't helpful. So I go through a cognitive distortions exercise in the book where we can look at which of our cognitions are actually distorted and not helping us. And then we can develop affirmations of the way that we want to be. Mm-hmm. So this is allowing the person with um, ADHD to start actively directing their thoughts 
by repeating these positive affirmation statements rather than just allowing the brain to go off in the negative directions it's become accustomed to. Mm-hmm. This is all very helpful. And, and I mean, again, it gives such validation. It's like, you're not crazy. You're just wired a little bit differently. And let's learn how to work with our particular uh, physiology. Uh, I think this is so wonderful. Right. So you've addressed some of these things. I wonder if you can give us a few more strategies um, that we can incorporate to become more successful. Sure. I think another area that we haven't really touched on Uh, except for a little bit, is the social issues. So oftentimes people come into my office with adult ADHD pretty much dragged there by their spouse um, who is getting a little tired of feeling like that person isn't listening, being interrupted all the time, them not following through on things. So one of the big areas where people with ADHD suffer is with their relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think communication skills are really important. And one thing for people with ADHD to do, um, which is actually helpful for anyone, as most of these exercises are, is to learn how to mirror other people. So oftentimes people with ADHD catch the gist of what somebody's saying very quickly, and they've already got an answer before that person's even finished their statement. So learning to mirror, and that means listening for the words that that person is using and repeating them back. So if the person says, oh, I had the worst day, uh, this happened and this happened and it's just so frustrating and blah, 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 to be able to be able to repeat back, wow, that must have been so frustrating mm-hmm. or I hear how frustrating that was for you. But really listening for that word because it's using a different part of the brain when we listen for being able to repeat back what they said as opposed to when we listen to develop our own response. That's so helpful. Gosh, I remember being in school and when they taught us to listen, as you are um, suggesting in this way, it was overwhelming because I, I was just like what you were describing. I would um, think I know where they're going with this and I would either want to finish their sentence form or, or address what they were saying before they even said it. And my husband was the one that said, you need to let me finish my words because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know you get there before I do, but I need to hear it <laughs> so I can figure it out for me. I was like, wow, I really need to relax and just be present and listen. And then what you're saying with uh, reflecting it back is so helpful. The perception checking or, you know, even just saying, wow, I really hear you. I hear your frustration. It makes people feel so listened to. And it Mm -hmm. does create this wonderful connection that I felt like I missed for most of my life. It's so powerful, Dr. Mayer. That's so powerful. Right. And that connection is key. So one of the things that I I try to help people with ADHD to see is it's not about just getting the information, that the person Mm -hmm. isn't just trying to give you information. They're trying to have a connection. So even though you understood all the information they're giving you within the first half of their statement, by listening to the end, you're actually giving them that connection that they're looking for. That's so profound. It's so true, because isn't that what we all want to be listened to and understood and heard exactly exactly yes and these are like i said this is stuff that anybody can incorporate and work on yeah i think uh yeah anybody could benefit from reading your book even if they're not challenged Mm -hmm. (laughs) with uh being disorganized or losing their keys you know there's so much um wonderful information in here and another 
area that I just loved. I found myself advising someone in this particular direction. Uh, you talk about cognitive distortions. I mm-hmm. love this so much. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what that is? Sure. So those are the, the unhelpful thoughts, basically. So they're, they're beliefs that we have that are not helpful, but we don't really examine them to know that they're, they're even there. So we just think them automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of these would be things like should statements. Like I should do this, I should do that, I need to do this. And we don't even know that's actually making us feel more bogged down, more overwhelmed as opposed to something like, I choose to do this, or I choose to do that, or it would be nice if I did this, but it's not going to happen. So if you think I, I should go to the gym, I should pay my taxes, those are things that are kind of weighing you down, but it might actually be that you choose to pay taxes because you don't want to face the consequences of mm-hmm. not paying them, mm-hmm. and saying I choose to is so much more empowering. And if you don't end up going to the gym, if you say, you know, I should go to the gym, but I'm not going to, changing it to something like, it would be nice to go to the gym, however, I have other things I need to do. So just little things like that. Um, there, and there are lots of other cognitive distortions. So, you know, overgeneralizing, where you just mm. see a single negative event as a never-ending pattern of defeat. So, like, people never listen to my ideas as opposed to looking at the times that they have and being able to look at it more broadly. Sometimes they listen to my ideas, today they didn't. Or disqualifying the positive. So that's where you reject positive statements because you've decided they don't count for some reason. So if somebody gives you a compliment, oh, she's just trying to be nice. doesn't really mean that. That kind of thing. Yeah, another one that I really love is your all or nothing thinking, Mm -hmm. like, I, I did this a lot with men. Men are always this, men are never that. And guess mm-hmm. what I ended up attracting? Exactly what I was saying, you know? Exactly. So I was like, oh, I have to stop doing this all or nothing thing with men or with life or with money. Because if you keep affirming it, that's probably what you're going to experience, what you're going to attract and experience. So that's a big, that's a big one. Don't mm-hmm. generalize like that. Yeah, and a lot of people do that. So it's seeing everything in black or white categories and not saying, yes. well, what else might be true? So it seems like all men are this way, but what else might be true? Yes. Yeah, exactly. and then there's also jumping to conclusions. So this is where we kind of mind read. You know, we think if somebody doesn't wave to me, it's because they don't like me. Or, you know, we, we try to assume what's in their mind, even though we don't actually know. And I think the big thing with these cognitive distortions is just recognizing that we're doing them and that it is distorted. So we we do them so automatically, we don't even recognize it. So once you actually study this and start looking at it, then you can see where it's causing problems for you. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. And it is, it's just about, I think, uh, becoming more aware of our thinking and and listening to ourselves in a more uh, present and active way. I know when I first started paying attention to my thoughts in my head, I realized, wow, I'm really mean (laughs) to myself. Mm -hmm. I would never be this mean to anybody else. But that awareness was key in me eventually setting a different intention, if you will, which put me on a different path going a completely different direction in my life. So that's such a, a helpful bit of information right there. 
Right, and so many people are very mean to themselves in their head. And I think especially people who have struggled uh, to live up to expectations in their life uh, that they, you know, are even harder on themselves because they feel like a failure. Yeah, it's so important, I think, just to learn to be kind to ourselves. You know, I, I remember at one point when I was like, well, how do I, you know, life is cruel and how do I find somebody who's kind to me? And, and then what I got was, well, how are, how are you cruel to yourself and how can you be kind to yourself? And I was like, oh. So I started implementing some whole different, some different ideas and some different activities. Well, be really kind if I would allow myself to take a nap right now instead of like beating myself up saying I had to do this and finish that. And so being kind to myself and just relaxing. Right. Yeah, relax. it's so important understanding yourself and then being able to, to do whatever you need to do for yourself. Yeah. And you share... Um, a really wonderful, simple breathing exercise that it's like if you're starting to feel anxious or overwhelmed or scattered or just uncomfortable that we can do just to kind of bring ourselves back to center very quickly. Can, can you mm -hmm. describe that on the radio? Is that something that's possible? Sure, I can try to. Um, so this breathing exercise is basically helping you become more centered. And so what it's doing is called sometimes alternate nostril breathing. So this is where you would plug one nostril. So say you plug the right nostril and breathe in through the left, and then you plug both and hold, and then you breathe out through the right, and then you, while plugging the left. So you're breathing in one nostril, holding both of them, and then breathing out the other nostril. And then you just keep doing that. So um, generally you'd breathe in for a count of four, hold it for a count of 12, breathe out for a count of eight. So it really slows your breathing down and helps you um, become more calm as you're not doing that really shallow breathing. You're, you're breathing much more deeply. So, yeah, so what does that do for us? I mean, I'm doing it right now and I'm feeling pretty calm, <laughs> but why? <laughs> why is this yeah. working? <laughs> well, I think if you notice whenever you're in a fight or flight situation, what we tend to do is tense tense our muscles, and start breathing very shallowly uh, because you're getting ready to fight or flee. Whenever you're relaxed, you're breathing more deeply. And so whenever you choose to breathe more deeply, that actually helps cut off that um, fight or flight way of being, which mm -hmm. we, we generally don't even notice we're in. And so it actually decreases the tension. So it tells the brain we're relaxed, we're breathing slowly. And then the brain responds by having relaxation. Mm, and that can help us with that inner restlessness, that sense of, you know, inner chaos or overthinking or, you know, I don't know if we can do that when we're in line somewhere, maybe in traffic. That would be probably really helpful in traffic. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done it a lot in traffic. Um, <laughs> and then in line, sometimes what I'll do if I'm, I'm in line or I'm, I'm in a um, situation where I'm getting ready to speak on stage, so I, I can't really be doing that because people are watching me. And sometimes I will breathe in for a count of four, hold it just on my own, hold my breath, and then breathe out for the count of eight. So you're not doing the alternate nostril breathing, so it doesn't have quite the same effect, but it still has the effect of slowing you down. So you can just breathe in for a count of four, hold it for a count of 12, and breathe out for a count of eight. Yeah, we can do that anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's very helpful. And especially if you're setting that intention to just get centered, come back to right. center. Align and one and thing I recommend to people is, is just 
throughout the day, just taking a deep breath, like noticing that you're breathing into your abdomen or breathing so that your ribs expand. So like if everyone could just take a deep breath like that right now and feel the ribs expand and then just letting it out slowly, that it really resets you. And you can do that at any time throughout the day, just taking that deep breath and kind of resetting. Hit the reset button. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I've often said it'd be nice if we could hit the reset button, but you just shared with us how we can do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so helpful. Well, Dr. Mayer, we only have a couple of minutes left here, so I'd love it if you'd do another shout out about how people can find you, get more of you, and uh, get your book. And, you know, if you have any final words of wisdom, we'd love to hear that too. Sure. So, again, my website is from com. The book is called From Scattered to Centered, uh, so you can find me and more information about me on the website. And then as far as final words of wisdom, I think the important thing is just understanding that if you want to understand more about yourself, more about somebody you love that seems to be struggling with distraction, um, that this book can be very helpful in just gaining that understanding, getting simple tools, again, not about fixing, but just working with the way your brain is. Mm. That's so beautiful. You have been such a pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. I've been trying to get you on the show for two months. You were certainly worth the wait. (laughs) Thank you. Some really good stuff. And so to Brent Carey, I'm so grateful that you've created this forum so I can have these amazing conversations with these amazing conscious people. And Remy and Adam, you guys are amazing love my producers, my listeners, you know, it wouldn't be any fun to do this if you weren't hanging out with me. And something I just love is to hear from you. So if you want to get a hold of me on my website, that is TammyBPhD.com, T-A-M-M-I-B-P-H-D.com. I have a guided meditation that you can listen to on there, a free downloadable guided meditation to help you kind of just relax and come to center, which is what we've been talking about here today. I also have a report to support you in removing any obstacles so that you can start manifesting the life that you really want. Don't let life happen to you. Make your life happen. And then I would would love to hear from you on Facebook, Tammy Balashevsky on Facebook or Manifesting Love from the Inside Out on Facebook. I love a good quote. I love questions. I just really love connecting. That's the purpose and intention with everything that we're doing here at Empower. So let's just take a nice deep breath. Ah, relax our awareness into our hearts. Doesn't that feel good? We just hit the reset button. I think we should do that more often, don't you? <laughs> All right. Love to hear from you. Get a hold of me, Tammy B, PhD at gmail.com or my website. God bless you. Take care of yourself. You deserve your own love, respect, compassion, and understanding. God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now. Bye.